Welcome to the Costa del Sol Ferd. It's uh, 20 degrees. It is absolutely glorious here today. It uh, must be climate change, therefore. Uh, the sun is getting hotter. Sometimes you get up in the morning and the sun is splitting the rocks. It's climate change. No, it isn't. Mark Windows, old friend of mine, terrific, terrific analyst is Mark, great broadcaster. Check out windowsontheworld.net if you haven't before, I'm sure you have. Uh, last on with me last July, so about eight, eight even months ago, nine months ago, if my mathematics are any good. Mark joins me for an extended conversation. It'll be live as well, so you can put your comments to Mark, if you like, richieallen.co.uk. Welcome to your Richie Allen radio show. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, indeed. Mark Windows, Wednesday, the 23rd of March, 2022. BBG, from BBG Towers, welcome to you. Thanks for joining me, as always. It's lovely to have your company today. Well, well, well. Wellity, wellity, wellity. As the great Homer Simpson once said... England's Chief Medical Officer, Christopher Whitty, Sir, if you please, has given a speech at a virtual event, and it's important that we talk about it for a moment. That event, run by the Local Government Association and the Association of Directors of Public Health. In that speech, Chris Whitty conceded that lockdowns have done have caused, are likely to have caused, substantial long-term damage to children. Yes. He said to the conference that many aspects of public health had gone backwards over the last two years, including a significant worsening in childhood obesity. He said there was evidence that there had already been an impact on the mental health of children, a rise in eating disorders, but he said much longer-term consequences may yet to be seen. Whitty even went on to say that the elderly had suffered as a result of long periods of isolation as loved ones chose to stay away from them for fear that they would infect them. I wonder where the loved ones got the ideas from. Where did they hear that it was a good idea to stay away from their elderly relatives and put them in isolation? He said, did Whitty, we shouldn't have any illusions. I think there's a big worry about the effects on mental health of particularly older people for long periods where people were lonely because people, for good public health reasons, didn't want to infect elderly or vulnerable people, but therefore they had less contact. That is something which we do not know the effects of, lied Chris Whitty. But it seems unlikely there will be anything other than a problem. And the impacts of disrupted schooling on some children is going to be very substantial, the long-term effects of which it'll be very difficult, I think, to tell. 
Chris Whitty. What do you think of that? Let me know through the website, richieallen.co.uk. It's comment live. Allow me to play once again for you a little audio snippet of Professor Sir Chris Whitty only a few weeks after the lockdown of March 23rd, 2020. Yes, today is the two-year anniversary of Boris Johnson's speech where he told everyone to stay home, to save lives and to protect the NHS. Now, Chris Whitty was uh, very instrumental in lockdown one, two, three, and if you think there was a fourth lockdown. So let's hear what Whitty said after the implementation of the first lockdown. It's important we never forget this, so long as we live. To balance two things. The seriousness of this virus as an epidemic, and it clearly is a very serious epidemic, but equally the fact that actually the great majority of people will not die from this. And I'll just repeat something I said right at the beginning because I think it's worth reinforcing. Most people, well, a significant proportion of people will not get this virus at all at any point in the epidemic, which is going to go on for a long period of time. Of those who do, some of them will get the virus without even knowing it. They will have the virus with no symptoms at all, asymptomatic carriage, and we know that happens. Of those who get symptoms, the great majority, probably 80%, will have a mild or moderate disease, might be bad enough for them to have to go to bed for a few days, not bad enough for them to have to go to the doctor. An unfortunate minority will have to go as far as hospital, but the majority of those will just need oxygen and will then leave hospital. And then a minority of those will end up having to go to severe uh, and critical care, and some of those, sadly, will die. But that's a minority. It's it's 1% or possibly even less than 1% overall. And even in the highest risk group, uh, this is significantly less than 20%, i.e. the great majority of people, even the very highest groups, if they catch this virus, will not die. So shortly after the implementation of lockdown one, the chief medical officer clearly stated that COVID ain't nothing but a thing. Ain't nothing but a thang. It's nothing. Nothing for the great majority of people to worry about. So, And also at that time, NHS England downgraded COVID um, from, and, and said downgraded it from high-consequence infectious disease. It downgraded it. It took away that status, didn't it? It basically said that it's not, highly consequential. So what I'd like to know is, at what point did Chris Whitty realise that, well, lockdowns have severe and very damaging long-term impacts on children and old people? When was that exactly? Was it before he implemented the first lockdown? Shortly after? Was it last week? Was it last month? Was it last year? What is he even doing now, Whitty? Acknowledging the fact that lockdowns are catastrophic for public health. You know, I would see Chris Whitty locked up for the rest of his life. His natural life. Of course, given a fair trial. What would you charge him with, Baldy? I hear you cry. Well, falsification of data. Knowingly misrepresenting death figures, death numbers. Scaremongering. 
terrorizing people. You know, waging a psychological war on the population of this country for a virus that has very little impact on 99.3 or 99.4% of people in the UK. I'd see him arrested and charged, but I can't do anything about Chris Whitty. It's so frustrating. There's nothing I can do about him, and of course he's only one in a chain of them. His colleague, the the Chief Scientific Advisor, Valance, Patrick Valance, sir, if you please, Health Secretary of your, Matt Hancock, the current one, Javid, the Prime Minister. There's nothing I can do except um, spew venom across my website at these people. The absolute ever-fucking-cheek of Chris Whitty to go to a conference, virtually or otherwise, and say that lockdowns are likely to have caused substantial long-term damage to children. And keep a straight face. Your comments to richieallen.co.uk will leave Whitty alone for now. What can you do? You'd complain about him. But he's not going to be asked any questions, is he? We have a... We have a forthcoming COVID inquiry, I doubt they're going to go over and under and up Chris Whitty's arse with a microscope. I doubt that very much. Chris Whitty will live to old age and he will die in old age and maybe, maybe then after that he might have to answer to a higher authority for his crimes against humanity. And that's not an exaggeration. It's not sensationalism. These people have committed grave, horrible, egregious crimes against men, women and children in this country. And they walk free with knighthoods, massive salaries, pensions to come. And for sure, sometime in 2024, dickheads like Chris Whitty will be paid thousands of pounds at Ivy League universities around the world to address students on how he so heroically guided the United Kingdom through the pandemic. And yet he can acknowledge today, Jesus, lockdowns do a terrible amount of damage, be Jesus. It's uh, 11 minutes past five. But you know, despite evidence emerging, Oxford University published a study last week that said it's basically impossible that 188,000 people died of COVID. Oxford said that there was about 14 different ways of assigning a of assigning COVID as the cause of death to people throughout 2020 and 2021. This is vaudeville. All of this stuff is now in the public domain that lockdowns destroy societies, that COVID was fuck all. It was fuck all, COVID, whether it existed or not. And I know that so many of you, and I respect you, but I don't agree with you, but I respect your opinion, you think it never existed, fair enough. I think it did. It doesn't matter anymore. Maybe it does. Despite all of this stuff being out there, There are people walking around begging for measures to be reintroduced because of the BA2 variant. 
Loads of people. Morons. Have a listen to Yasmin Alibi or Alibe Brown. It doesn't matter. She's useless. A, a, a writer, by all accounts. Independent, Guardian, whatever. Listen to her with Carol Malone, who writes for The Express, on Jeremy Vine's television show today. These people are real. There was a teacher who said somewhere that the class had to uh, close down because every child in the class had COVID. But if every well, child in the it? class had because, flu, because, would they close uh, it? No, parents, exactly. are, parents are not going to send their COVID children to school, so the class but, but, is empty. But, but do we not? But the whole point of saying the pandemic's over, Yasmin, is to start treating COVID surely like, like other. I, I, I so don't if think somebody has a sniff, they may not have any symptoms. Those kids. Well, we don't know, but we can't but, but say yes, it's have over. You had it? it's, it's have you really had it? Not over. Yasmin, and this have is you... entirely political and economic. Have you, have you had COVID, Yasmin? No. Have you? No, she says. The overweight, middle-aged Yasmin. Alibi Brown says, no, we're deep into, well, we're not deep into, we're nearly, we're not nearly, we're into the spring of 2022 and she hasn't had COVID, but she wants measures. Have you had it? No. Okay. And I so get on the train. Most people and who panicking. have had it, Omicron at least will say, it is a virus that is, that is well, virtually symptomless. I'll tell you something, three friends. Oh, okay, so that's three, no, three no, of your friends. We're no, talking three, on a bigger scale friends, than three of your friends. Let me finish my sentence. Three <laughs> friends dropped out of a dinner party right, okay. uh, last Friday. Three friends dropped out of a dinner party last Friday. Two were fine two days later, one is still very ill. Yes, but we can't, we can't keep the country locked down, Yasmin. The alternative, we have to get on. I don't think... And we have to just There's deal a difference with it. between the lockdown we had back then and saying to the country, you don't have to wear masks, you don't have to socially distance, you don't have to do anything. Because I want You want to live in a society where we're masked up yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time? Actually, do you, I do. you want that? Well, I, I do. do. Yeah, 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 I do, I do. Malone said, do you want to live in a society where we're masked up all the time? And Alibi Brown said, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, 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 I do. You see, there was a time when you might have said that Yasmin Alibi Brown was a propagandist or a mouthpiece for the likes of Chris Whitty. But now I'm beginning to believe that she's totally genuine. They've had the life. They've had the wits scared out of them for over two years and this is the result of it. Do you want Johnson. to live in a society where we're masked up yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time? Actually, do you? I do. you want that? Well, I, I, do. Don't. I don't. And I, I think do. the majority It doesn't kill me that. to wear a mask. And this Muppet hasn't even had COVID. Yeah. It protects everybody else. When you else. said, just on your friend, when you said your, your friend is very ill, which hospital is he in? No, he's not in hospital. Uh, oh. Not even in hospital. Three people didn't turn up for a dinner party. Two of them are fine after they tested positive for COVID. One was very ill. Is he in hospital? No, he's at home. Mother of divine Jesus Christ, as we say back home. Yeah, your comments on Witty in a moment. Carl Hennigan is an Oxford University professor of evidence-based medicine. He's been against lockdowns since the outset of the scam, hasn't he? He has. He's been speaking about anxiety with Julia Hartley Brewer because a lot of people are anxious. And I think he's right. A lot of people are very, very anxious. Why is that? I think we've had a silence of science in the last few months because people are not now looking back and starting to explain where we got it wrong, what we should be doing differently. And I think my concern now is we've set a pathway where we've seen many swathes of us become highly anxious. 
And I think we've seen that split in society. Those that are highly anxious now are finding it difficult to go about their lives. They're putting that on their children. And the future we put in front of us is very scary if it's going to be as anxious as it is now. We need to free up society, become more innovative, more risk-takers, and be out there, in effect. Well, you say say risk-taking, but just... which is what life is every time you get up and get out of your bed you, you know you take in fact you're taking a risk being in your bed lots of people die in their beds i mean this is the thing isn't it there are so many people who are anxious and the society is very divided at the moment and i am amazed by the number of people who again still wearing masks outdoors largely young slim healthy people who are at very very low risk people masking their children uh, we had a message from someone earlier that's you know, the school being closed because of cases among the staff brewer is right i see this i live in an area where I would say the the average age of people living around Salford, where we live, is younger than it is pretty much most of the rest of Greater Manchester. There are a lot of young families here, young men and women, working at the hospital or working at Media City, which is only a stone's throw down the road. And they are wearing masks outside. They are wearing them on their bicycles. They are still avoiding contact with people in queues in shops and supermarkets. I've witnessed this only as recently as last weekend. It is anxiety. A psychological war was waged on people by Chris Whitty and his mates, and it has lasting effects. I really believe it. I don't have any qualification in psychology, in psychiatry. Of course, I don't. This is absolute armchair stuff. But I see it. I see children going to school masked up. With parents masked up. There's a number of primary schools around here. I see it every day. And they don't have to because the requirement to do so was removed by the government a few weeks ago. But they choose to continue to do it and they are aghast at those of us who are not doing it. Or in the case of you and me, who never did it, wore the, the the crap on our faces. And it's a problem. And Carl Hennigan thinks it's going to be a very big problem going forward. Uh, we know care homes, there are still thousands upon thousands of people unable to visit their loved ones. Their loved ones, elderly people, often with dementia, locked in their rooms 24-7 because one member of staff has had COVID. This, this hasn't ended for a lot of people. Jean Ann just sent me a quick message there. She's got it spot on as per usual. Two tribes now, says Jean Ann Crowley. Two tribes now. That's right. Think of the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song. Was it Frankie? Two tribes go to war. That's what you have now in society. You have those of us who never went along with it. Or those who did go along with it and realised they were being had and stopped. And on the other side, you have those who still believe that death from a pathogen is literally, possibly only around the corner. Let's hear a little bit more of Hennigan. No, it's interesting. If you look what's happening now, is it's virtually mirroring two years ago the infection rates. It peaked around about the 14th of March and it's starting to come off. And it's coming off and it'll come off in the next week or two and actually we'll get back to some normality over some summer and people may feel less anxious. But come back next September, October, respiratory pathogens will be back in the news. They'll be back in people's mental status and it'll make them highly anxious again. So somehow we've got to reset set the population here.
a very poor choice of words, something I think I mentioned in my article about that today. Reset, give over, Carl. Because what's happening is we're defaulting to the most anxious person in the room all the time. And that's not good for society, not good for children, not good for businesses. And this risk aversion approach that we now take is everywhere. And it's been coming for years. And somehow we need a reset to move away from that approach. He said it again. But also what we need to be is accepting that people get unwell, that people do die, and that actually we need to be fit to face these viruses in the future. So that's where we have to get out and about, exercising and looking after ourselves. So when you get the next one, and everybody will get one, I'm sorry about this, you won't be able to avoid them, as we've now learned. You need to be in a fit state and a healthy state. But unfortunately, there'll come a time when you're not. When you're not, and then you'll be more susceptible to an airborne pathogen or virus. Carl Hennigan in conversation with Julia Hartley Brewer a bit earlier on today. Right. Fabrizio says, say happy 80th birthday to mum, Ginetta. No jab, no COVID. Happy birthday, Ginetta. What a milestone that is. I hope you got her something nice, Fabrizio. Paul says, correct, Richie, a psychological war is still being waged against humanity by... By Rockefeller, Soras, Gates of Hell, Cookerberg, Rothschild, etc. Thanks, Paul. Oakley-dokley. Layla says they are still wearing them alone in their cars. It's bonkers up here, even on the motorways. It's sheer insanity, she says. Uh, Cookie says it's the same here in Portugal, Richie. The youngsters are more likely to wear the slave muzzle. Damaged for decades, similar to AIDS, says Cookie. Never Surrender says, For decades I've been extremely affected by normal colds and flu due to my immune system. Effects can last for years. Funny how professional carers didn't give a shit in those days about coughing and snotting all over me, but now people are worried because they might get sick for a few days. By the way, I do not think that others should go around masked and jabbed because I'm vulnerable. They should live. Just if they're snotting about not to come into my home. Uh, Gail says, good evening, Richie. I found a silver lining in the last two years. I've met some wonderful people at our local stand in the park. We've organised ourselves and help each other with various things like gardening and healing, says Gail. Thank you, Gail. John says, who was that masked man? Which one? They're all wearing effing masks, says John. Thanks, John. Ewan says, on the Chris Whitless statement, it's like saying, I repeatedly swung an axe at your favourite tree and it fell down. Thanks for clearing that up, Chris. Thank you for your comment, Ewan. I appreciate that. Uh, Craig says, Did Jeremy Vine raise the issue of kids that have no symptoms as being the reason to keep schools open? He wasn't saying that a few months ago. He was spreading the idea of asymptomatic transmission along with all the other talking heads. How many people are going to forget that it has been their entire media that has kept this horror show going? That's well said too. Wow. Let's talk about something else briefly before Mr. Mark Windows returns to the Richie Allen Show. Okay. I've been following um, over the last few days, the last week, the last weeks, this trans 
athletes, trans women, athletes, trans woman is a man who identifies as a woman competing in female sports and the problem the, the, the many problems of course that brought about by such a, an inversion, such stupidity there's an interesting exchange on talk radio today between a guy called uh, is it James Murray, it is James Murray Labour Party MP and Julia Hartley Brewer they were talking about the trans swimmer Leah Thomas who has broken a load of records well if you believe it, that is. Uh, Leah, St- Leah, Leah Thomas is a man, or a young man, who identifies as a woman and has been swimming against female swimmers at swim meets. And recently won national competitions and, as I said, broke some records. It's crazy. Distraction stuff, it is. Of course it is, up to a point it is. But it's also real. It's real. For, for for the women, for the real women affected by it. So on the one hand, it is identity politics being used to divide and control and conquer people, of course, but it doesn't mean it's a victimless thing. It's like the war in Ukraine. We talk about it being manna from heaven for the Great Reset Agenda. It is. And maybe it has been manipulated by the architects of such agendas. However, it isn't a victimless Agenda. Ukrainian people are being killed. Russian soldiers, young men and women, are being blown to pieces too. So it ain't victimless. You get what I'm saying? So it's important. It's important for women, this. Anyway, there was an interesting exchange, as I said, between this guy Murray from the Labour Party and Julia Hartley Brewer about what exactly constitutes a woman. What is the definition of a woman. Let's have a listen to a little bit of it. I think transphobia is is very real um, and this debate often gets very heated um, and it's very important I think for all of us who speak about this in public to uh, try and take the heat out of the the debate and try and approach it in a sensitive way and actually the Equality Act uh, already has provisions in it uh, whereby you have a single sex exemption uh, for certain activities which include sport so that when can allow, that can allow, for instance, sport to to be uh, for men um, or, or women only. Um, but hold on, that- hold on a minute. Your your own party leader, Keir Starmer, couldn't actually tell us what a, a woman was. He said that a woman was a, was an adult female the other day, and then he said, "And trans women are women." Well, trans women are not adult females; they are biological males. So we- yeah, he did say that, Keir Starmer. Trans women are women, and two Labour front benchers. Yvette Cooper and Annalisa Dodds, well, they nearly had kittens when they were asked by the BBC to define woman, didn't they? Rather than just say, adult human female has a cervix, so on, so on, so on. We don't even know what a woman is. So if we're going to have, if we're going to have a single sex uh, sport, how can we tell what it is? If a biological man is competing against women, he has an unfair advantage. So it's cheating, isn't it? Is that transphobia? Is that lazy transphobia or is that a statement of fact? Good question, Mr Murray. I think... Here, when I when I heard him the other day, was very clear uh, that women are adult females and trans women. So, um, and, so he doesn't know what a woman is because a woman, a wo- if a, I'm a woman, I'm an adult female. A man who says he's a woman is a trans woman. That doesn't make him a woman because he's not an adult female, is he? Well, I, I believe that trans women are women. Um, you and do, they are included, yes. And therefore, it's absolutely fine for a biological man who says that he is a woman who's got 
tackle intact, has all the benefits of male puberty, strength, height and everything, that for them to compete against women uh, in sport is absolutely fine and fair. You, you, say, you think that is the case, yeah? So the individual sporting bodies, um, I think, will make decisions around individual sporting events. And well, how can they the exclude Act, trans the women if trans Act. women are women? Brilliant. She's tying so them up the in knots The Equality Act here. does allow provision. So it, if you start from the position that the Equality Act allows a single sex exemption, which allows listen to this certain activities, for instance. Listen to this horse shit here as he tries to get out of the corner that Hartley Brewer has backed him into. Sporting events. And well, how can they the exclude Act, trans the women if Act. trans women are women? Go on. So the Equality Act does allow provision. So if you start from the position that the Equality Act allows a single sex exemption, which allows certain activities, for instance, to be uh, only participated in or, or taken or uh, for only women to be uh, to be part of that, <laughs> it, it assumes rightly It assumes rightly that trans women are included in that. But then allows specific exemptions. And that is a provision within the Equality Act. As I say, this is... So you, so you, so you do accept that trans sense. women aren't women, then? No, I said trans women are women. I said that But you can exclude some be... women from competing with other women because you're accepting that, they're, that trans women aren't women. That, do, you, do you see how it's not possible to hold both ideas in your head at the same time? No, I think it is because I think... <laughs> Actually, this is a sensitive matter. This is a sensitive it's matter. Very sensitive. It's very sensitive. It's sensitive for women as well as for trans women, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, when you think of it, when you sit down, I had this fit of giggles today. I, I couldn't stop laughing listening to this. When you think of it, it is utter madness, isn't it? Isn't it? Jesus wept. There's a good chance, you know. That however brutally, awful, dreadful, horrendous Boris Johnson is, and he's a disgusting scumbag, isn't he? In every sense of the word. And everyone who sits alongside him. As bad as he is, though, this is one that could um, destroy the Labour Party around about the next general election. If I was running the Tory campaign, I'd be all over this. None of these goons can say that a woman is a woman and that a trans woman isn't a woman at all. At all, at all, at all. Trans woman is a human being. Trans woman is a man who... Um, I, I, I thought Debbie Hayton was brilliant on the programme the other night, Debbie. Said, I'm not a, a woman, says Debbie, but I'm feel, I feel much more comfortable, life-balanced, happy, dressing and living as a woman. A human being, first and foremost. They can't say this, these Labour goons. <laughs> they just can't. And I wonder how big this will be. It probably won't be because God knows what's in store later this year with viruses and all the rest of that old shite. It's exactly 29 minutes to the top of the hour. Yes, my name is Richie Allen. Shall we say hello to Mark Windows? I think we should. It's uh, exciting. I'm glad to have Mark back on the programme. Because I have a lot of time for the boy Windows. Windows on the world.net. This is the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. BBG Towers, beautiful today. Spring is everywhere. Do leave a comment, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live at the top of the page. Welcome to Wednesday's programme. Trans women are not women. David Bowie, let's dance on the Richie Allen Show. 26 and a half minutes it is to 6 o'clock Wednesday's programme. Lot 
A lot of commentary on the website about the comments of England's Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty today. It's a, a real thrill, a genuine one, to welcome back to the programme an old friend of mine, a terrific broadcaster, writer, musician, the host of Windows on the World. Check it out at windowsontheworld.net. It's a brilliantly put together uh, programme. Mark interviews and chats with uh, analysts and researchers from all over the world on many of the, of the subjects and more. Uh, that you would hear on the Richie Allen Show. Let's welcome him back, our friend Mark Windows. Welcome back, Mark. Hi, Richie. Good to have you on, pal. Are, are you up north or down south? It's balmy, wherever you are anyway, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm in, uh, well, I'm in Europe, actually, Richie. Uh, are you? Yeah. Good man yeah. yourself. Where I'm sure it's just as warm, if not warmer, as than it is here. We um, love having you on because we don't have to set an agenda of things we're going to talk about. We'll talk about quite a bit, I imagine, uh, throughout the rest of the programme. We'll talk about the Great Reset, of course. We'll talk about uh, the climate change agenda. Many of the things that you told me some years ago that might happen, they're beginning to happen. A bit of a soothsayer, I think, as well. I should have added to your list of of achievements. (laughs) But what, what do you reckon to England's Chief Medical Officer, Chris Whitty, giving a speech to a virtual conference and saying... Now, I think it's extraordinary that he would say this. I don't know why he would say it. I don't know what he would have to gain by saying it. But he basically conceded that lockdowns are likely to have caused substantial long-term damage to children, but not also children, but to senior citizens as well, to um, basically to public health in in general. It's almost like a bit of a mea culpa statement, like um, without saying we were wrong. What's going on there? Why would he do that? Well, it could be damage limitation because a lot of stuff actually has come out and it is in the public. I mean, over the past two years, though, we've seen the hypnosis of people through the media and we're still seeing that. But the information that I get is that more and more people are aware of it. Maybe they're trying to keep some kind of lid on it. I don't know because I haven't heard that particular speech. Yeah, I mean, I haven't actually heard it. I've only read quotes from it in this afternoon's, well, not this afternoon's, in today's Telegraph, but they published the piece just after lunchtime there. He said many aspects of public health have gone backwards over the last two years. A significant worsening of childhood obesity, um, eating disorders in children. Mark, he said it all, basically. Uh, isolation of the elderly, basically destroying their lives. What the hell is going on? I think you might be onto something there. Damage limitation, maybe. Maybe the guy fears that something might come out in the COVID inquiry. But I've been around the block nearly as long as you. That COVID inquiry is going to be a whitewash, isn't it? Of course it is. And that's why they make them so far into the future. And of course, these questions are never answered. And it's the same all the time. What I don't understand, though, is that many people will keep going round on this hamster wheel continually and not even realise it. This is important, you mentioning this, because Carl Hennigan, now I know a lot of people don't trust Carl Hennigan, even though he's, you know, he's been pretty much anti-lockdowns from the beginning. The, okay, there are other things about Carl Hennigan maybe we could talk about another time. But Hennigan has said there's a genuine anxiety in society, that there's a real divide, that there are a lot of people who are genuinely apprehensive, anxious, scared of getting on with their lives. Now, last July, we talked about psychological warfare 
um, not just to do with COVID, but to do with climate change as well. And we'll come, we'll come on to that, of course, uh, shortly, Mark. But um, do you see that yourself like that? You know, the, the people who are frowning and complaining because we're not wearing masks, you never wore one, I never wore one. But those people are genuine. They're genuinely scared, even now. Do you see that yourself? Well, absolutely. And this is what they call cognitive warfare. It's all coming through the media. So the remaining people that you see with masks on are obviously watching the television a lot. And that has become very apparent because when you look at what's actually gone on over the past few weeks and the narrative has completely changed. And now instead of having I've had my covid vaccine all over their Facebook pages, they've got a yellow and blue flag. Yeah. Right, let's 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 jump right in there then. Um, hours was it, Mark? Was it minutes? Was it twenty four hours after the UK government said, "Right, that's it now. Um, we want people to learn to live with this. They no longer have to observe these measures." We're plunged into um, the Ukraine war and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, what's your take on that? What's really going on? Is it down to historic grievances? where the Russians were promised that NATO wouldn't continue to navigate eastwards? Is it that? Is it something far deeper? Is Putin in on it? What's going on as far as you understand it? I can't wait to hear this. Well, I think that if you read Putin's original speech, when he said he wanted to protect the border interests and also to remove the Nazis and the drug addicts, I think he was making it pretty clear what he was talking about. And the whole point about this is you can't look at it as something that's just happened overnight because it goes back to 2014 and before that. I mean, this is a very long historical thing. And what I find peculiar is that people will jump on a bandwagon and say Putin the madman's invaded. Well, (laughs) why would... Why would that even be a scenario? There's no such thing as a madman who invades another country when it's in this historical context. It doesn't make any sense. But I think that what's happening is being used now to create something for NATO in the future. And I thought of this the other day because what's happening with all these displaced Ukrainians, Ukraine has a massive element of what the globalists call far right. Now, The whole agenda is going to be, I think, to set up people in the future who are far-right extremists so that things can be clamped down even more with the Global Action Plan. And it just struck me that maybe the reason that people are are being encouraged to take Ukrainians in in the UK is not that they're going to be the far-right extremists, but this rise of the far right can then be nailed onto something because at the moment it's nailed on absolutely nothing. Anybody who's outside the globalist narrative is far right. Well, that's not quite good enough. So I think that they might be using this for future terror cells. In other words, false flag events blamed on the so-called far right because it's going to be embedded in people's consciousness because obviously then they start doing a bit of research. They find out about the Azov Battalion. They find out what really happened in Ukraine, that this puppet Zelensky actually could be taken out. Because if you think about it, he's just an actor who was put there. It's a populist. It's a bit like having um, someone like Dawn French as the prime minister. You know, it's just, it's absolutely, it doesn't make any sense at all. No. So people's grasp of this, I think, is very, very childlike. But I think that it's going to be used by NATO to further terrorism 
in countries. That's a really interesting, yeah. I, I hadn't considered that, and it's, it's very plausible. Mark Windows is our guest. You're right to invoke 2014. We we know what happened. We would have been talking about that back in twenty fourteen. You yes. would have been doing. You would have been talking about it on Windows on the World. We know that John Kerry at the time was overseeing um, twenty million dollars a week worth of funding and and, and arms for um, for 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 um, agent provocateurs inside of Ukraine. They wanted to overthrow. Um, uh, Yanukovych there uh, they did that successfully uh, the Maiden or Maidan revolution was, was all staged uh, we know that Victoria Newland was caught out wasn't she the Eurasian secretary basically admitting on, on the phone that it was a coup it was a US sponsored coup in Ukraine all of this is absolutely real and true and that far right element it's interesting Mark because the BBC are pushing this narrative that that it's a fantasy to imagine there's a far-right element or a neo-Nazi or a Nazi element in Ukraine simply because Zelensky himself is Jewish. But the BBC are being trolled on social media over the last couple of days with interviews dating back to 2014 where they actually interviewed some of these Nazis. So it's, it's, it's incredible, really, some, some of this stuff is coming out. Now, that being said, the timing of the invasion, I agree with all of that. The timing of this invasion, the fact that Putin's government, Putin's military haven't gone all the way and have stalled somewhat. Things that we've learned over the years, like Vladimir was in was 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 part or took part in the World Economic Forum Young Leaders Program, which might mean something, which might not, has led people to wonder if if, if Putin isn't in on it, um, because it's 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 very simplistic to say that he's in on it, but. Could other forces have moved Putin or manipulated Putin into invading now for this global action plan, Great Reset Agenda? Is that possible? I don't think it's that, and I'll tell you why. Because those two regions, the disputed regions, Donbass and Lugansk, isn't it? Yes, those two yeah, yeah. In the parts of Western Ukraine, they had a referendums in September 21. Um, last year. So they had referendums because they wanted to go back to being under Russian jurisdiction. Yeah. So that was a legitimate election and people seem to have forgotten that. But I think that his back is against the wall a bit with what's going on there. I mean, I think he's obviously no fool because he knows what's happening there. Ukraine is a cesspit of corruption and globalist infiltration. And look at what's come out anyway what what do we know about it yeah. the hunter biden involvement yeah. the yeah. bio labs these are all a direct threat these are direct threat and so is nato on his doorstep so that has to be taken into consideration however of course putin is involved with the global action plan the great reset and everything because they have to be this is a global objective but what i think's happened richie is that the Western media has used it as a massive weapon and a distraction away from COVID. And now we're into something very, very dangerous because the Western media is gaslighting the public, lying to the public in a very offensive way. And I think that what's actually come out of Russia is fairly balanced in comparison. I agree. And that's really 
a very important thing because looking at the primary sources, they're not exaggerating their claims. They seem to be putting out what is actually happening. And the people who are in Ukraine seem to be backing that up. In other words, why would Putin want to go in there and cause a bloodbath? He absolutely doesn't want to do that. There's no way he'd want to do that because they haven't got the resources to fight the whole world anyway. It seems to me that we are being driven into maybe a third world war. But I think there is going to be things happening which which will propel things forward as usual. And that really is a very important part of what's going on because I see the bigger picture and the local agenda. So there's a local agenda and then there's the bigger picture. Nobody has done more to explain that. Um, it was really awakening for me, eye-opening, when, when you first started explaining that, how to the average person on the street, you know, things are happening locally. Um, for the benefit of their area, but they're not local issues at all. It's a global plan. Windows on the world dot net. You made a, you made an excellent art argument there, and I'm 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 I am not saying that I disagree with it at all. But, but, but I'm going to put another point to you, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, climate conferences. Uh, the most recent one that took place in Glasgow and other things that are going on. Um, but just on this idea that Putin might be being pushed, and I'm not saying I believe this, you made, you made a very good argument there, but um, they, they want impoverishment of people and people to own nothing and to have nothing and to depend on the state for everything. And what what we're seeing with this, because you said, and you made a very good point there about the, the eastern regions of Ukraine, uh, Luhansk and Donbass, they want to be part of Russia. You're absolutely spot on to say that. I can't understand why, why Vladimir Putin didn't say, right, let's secure those areas then and stop there. I don't understand that. You might have a, an opinion on that in a moment. If he had done that and stopped, I would have said, OK. But what, what's happening is they're, st- they're still shelling some cities. There are refugees leaving in, in, in their droves. And all of this is driving fuel, uh, energy costs basically off the scale completely and uh, a serious food crisis. And that's exactly what the architects of the Global Action Plan want, if I've understood you over the years. And that's the only reason why my mind is still open to the idea that maybe not cognitively, maybe not, but that people are pushing Putin because of the timing of it just after, you know, COVID started to relax. But again, I'm not saying I think you're wrong at all. I'm I'm wide open to your opinion, but I'm also kind of caught with this one as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, none of us really know exactly what's going on. But what we can say is that the reaction from the Western media has been tyrannical over this. Absolutely tyrannical. What they're saying about Russia and what they're saying about Russians. I mean, the Bolsheviks were not Russians. They're going back to all this history and getting it completely wrong as well. And what's actually happening in there is could be a, a real bloodbath because now we've got these mercenaries going in. I mean, I get sent a lot of stuff from Russia and there's there's British ex-soldiers, mercenaries going in there, which is absolutely Madness. insane because they are going to turn it into a bloodbath. And that is what the British want. I'm Brilliant. sorry to say it, but that's exactly what the globalists want. And the British want. That nutcase Liz Truss at the very outset suggested that if people wanted to go, they should go, didn't she, before she was slapped down by number 10. You made another excellent point a moment ago in saying that the Russian media coverage has been balanced. It has. And I've got no dog in the fight. I've been looking at RT.com since the outset 
And what RT is doing is it is publishing claims made against Russia by the West. And alongside those claims, it is publishing the Russian response and it's leaving it up to its readers. And that's excellent stuff. Yeah, but another thing, Richie, how can they ban RT? They haven't done anything wrong. So Ofcom banned Press TV about 10 years ago with no good reason whatsoever. They actually had no reason to ban Press TV. They they fined Press TV £100,000, which I don't think they paid or they could have paid. And now they just take Russia Today off overnight with no grounds to do so. There's no legal grounds to do that. So this is speaking volumes about the Western media. When I see what they're printing in papers like The Guardian, The Independent, what I'm seeing on BBC and Sky News, all this is just coming from one place. And basically, this is um, fueling this whole war. Basically, it's, it's been fueled by the West and it's been done as a cover up because there's a lot of dirty stuff gone in there. But also it's helping with getting people out of their cars, getting them locked into the smart cities. We're now being told that we might not be able to drive on Sunday. Yeah. To conserve the oil. We're now being told we're going to have to go 10 miles an hour slower on motorways. This is all part of the same thing. When it started out 15 years ago with 20 miles per hour zones and speed humps, I said that's the beginning of a genocide. And I was being ironic and making it kind of black humor, but it's true. It's actually true. This is a depopulation plan. This is about control and management of every resource on planet Earth under a technocratic system run under communitarianism, which is global to local, which is why we now have all of these useful idiots who've now ditched their I've had my COVID vaccine to I've got a yellow and blue flag and I stand with Ukraine. That is communitarianism, the hive mind in a nutshell. And in... At some point in the future, there might be some symbol of saving the planet. You, you'll probably tell me there is one already, but soon, soon enough, they might have a an image. They might begin to attach to their social media accounts to to signal to signify that you know I'm a good person. I'm I'm doing right by the planet. Just a couple of things before I saw we... a great one the other day. Rich. Did you go on? It was absolutely fantastic. It was blue and yellow, and it had on it "Fight Putin, Ride a Bike." <laughs> This is the sort of cognitive dissonance and logical fallacy world that is being presented to the public. Now, the whole point of this agenda about cycling was always nothing to do with cycling. It's to do with stopping people driving. So they militarize groups, they weaponize groups, they weaponize people against each other, and then they bring in the agenda. There's nothing to the way this works. It's absolutely simple the way it's done. Mark Windows is our guest. You have to check out Windows on the World. I'm sure you have. Go to windowsontheworld.net. Great guy. Been uh, doing this type of programme himself very well uh, for many years now. First met Mark back in London in 2013. I've got to say this. You can give me a kick in the in the arse for saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I, I'm not very good at predicting things. Th- th- there's, there's no modesty there. I just am not. But um, I've been reminded a lot lately, like a lot, uh, through email and social media. Um, About two years ago, pretty much two years ago, I said on the radio show, half joking, but half serious, that they'll they'll say that the COVID lockdowns have have done the 
environment no harm at all. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if in the near future they might say to people, so on Sundays, um, the people who live in odd-numbered houses can drive on the first and third Sunday of the month, and the people who live in even-numbered houses get to drive on Sundays two and four. And I just threw it out there. It's coming back to haunt me. Uh, it's the only time, Mark, in my life the the sun shines on a dog's arse even uh, every now and then. But I, I did actually call that. And, and now that I'm reading about it and hearing about it, I'm like, wow. They're, well, they're in into many this. other countries, Richie, what, how yeah. they did it was um, odd and even number plates. So that's how they actually did it during the COVID lockdowns Amazing. in different countries. Isn't it absolutely amazing? Yeah. To, 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 and and well, well said when you said that this is simple stuff, if people would just take a look at it and just listen for a moment. It is so simple. I mean, when you first came on this show to talk about it three or four years ago, I'm like, Jesus, yeah, when you look at it like that, global to local and useful idiots. And, and let's talk just briefly about the useful idiots, because I know you to be a guy, I know you to be a decent guy. I know you to be a guy who's got a bit of empathy about him. When you see these people, you know, chaining themselves to goalposts, they believe it, Mark. And, and, and I, I have to feel a little bit sorry for them. I know that ultimately they're, on some level, they're kind of acting against people, you know, right-minded people like you and me and, and, and our listeners. But they are, they've been, it's almost like religious mania, isn't it? It is a religion. The climate change agenda was presented as an a religion in the first place when it first came out of the UN through people like Robert Mueller. And we've done many shows on that, the cult of Gaia, yeah. the wilderness of the mind, the fourth world. We have the first, second, third and fourth world. The fourth world is the wilderness of the mind where basically we have this emotive response to everything, but with no context. So you can actually explain to people from Extinction Rebellion the facts about climate change and they will go back into this hive mind because it is their religion, not because they are unable to take in what you've said or unwilling to, because it is a religion and it's a cult and they become members of a cult. It's groupthink, it's weaponization of the public to get a result. And Are they lost forever? Mark, sorry to interrupt you. So if they fall into it, does that mean, in your opinion, that they're lost forever? Well, it's beginning to look like that because, okay, we can give them a bit of a chance and say, yes, you had to go through this in school, you've gone through it in university, you've been instructed in sustainable development, which is not an environmental program, even according to the people who imposed it. You can go back into history and explain all of that to them from the Rio conference and the conferences up to Rio where this really came in and sustainable development became a thing. But they will then give you an argument which will run along the lines of, I think this is really funny because we did a talk in Glastonbury a few years ago at the town hall and a couple of Extinction Rebellion people came in and started to cause a fuss and refused to leave and wouldn't pay. And what was actually on the screen at the time as they walked in was the UN Charter of 1947. And they said, everything you're saying is lies. And I said, well, that's the UN Charter of 1947, and that's all fact. And one of them said, you just don't care. Half of the half of the Southern Hemisphere is under, underwater. And I said, no, I think it's two-thirds. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. 
I remember this. I remember yeah. this. You, you yeah. kill them with kindness. That's yeah. the thing. Don't shout, don't scream. Isn't it amazing? Presented with basic facts, they will still revert to the the dogma. Let's call it the Yeah, uh, but the Richie, dogma. I don't think it's funny, and I'll tell you why. Because these people are being weaponized into extremism. Yeah. They are becoming terrorists, but be, because they are on the side of the globalists and they're being used as proxies by the globalists, then they're activists. They're actually terrorists because they are forcing an ideology, a political ideology, with threats yeah. against the public. And it's groundless. Do you think, and, Mark, sorry to, again to interrupt, sorry. do you think it might get... So at the moment, you have the blocking of the roads, which is very problematic. It's wrong to deprive anyone. It doesn't matter who's doing it. It's wrong to deprive somebody of the right of way. It's very wrong. Gluing themselves, right. You know, the, 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 the ones who, who let the air out of tyres in London a couple of weeks ago. So here's my question. Is it your fear or worry, concern, that those nuisance type things will escalate to violence, that they might start to attack people. They can easily be triggered because they are only working off their emotions. They are not engaging any logic whatsoever. If they were engaging logic, then you would be able to present evidence to them. But they are basically just working off an emotional trigger and people who work off an emotional trigger can be triggered to do almost anything. Mark Windows is our guest, windowsontheworld.net. If you haven't, I know you have. Uh, do find Mark on Twitter as well. Terrific show, great guy, great interviewees and guests talking about these issues. These issues are absolutely massive. You and I spoke before about the European Union and the common agricultural policy and what that was meant to do. Isn't it amazing? You talked about how that was basically designed to concentrate food production, you know, into ever, ever smaller groups of people so that it could be controlled. And God, you were right. And now we're seeing it now, aren't we? We're saying that we're terrified that we might not get enough grain from Russia and Ukraine. And yet we have, to quote Monty Python, Monty Python we've got great big tracts of land in this country, fertile land, good land in a great climate. And they could just grow stuff if they wanted to, Mark, right? Well, they're being encouraged to rewild and they had subsidies. Those subsidies are finishing. Yeah. So what's happening now is Savills, the estate agents, are going in and buying up the farmland. Of course, this is all about centralization of food. That's the whole point. Under the UN global governance system and its corporations, and we have to remember that the agencies of the UN are all under international law and they have thousands and thousands of agencies. When we talk about the UN... Most people think it's just this benign thing in the background. It's not. It is an, a, an umbrella organization which controls a lot and it wants more control. And they clearly said that in our common agenda, which came out about a year ago, which is a paper where they said they basically wanted control of the media. Now, if we go back to 2007, they put out a document with the World Health Organization. It was called a safer future and a safer future predicted global health security. In other words, they want control of everything within every sovereign country. So there are no sovereign states anymore. Everything is under a global governance system, which is administered through corporations, NGOs and trained people, people who are trained into sustainable development because sustainable development is a cult. 
And that cult is what is running the world. So people kind of, they don't think about the UN as something powerful. They think about something remote. But when you see what they've written in these documents over the years and from Our Common Future in 1987, which you can download off the website, winnersontheworld.net and the free books page, there are passages in that which I've read out on your show before, so we won't go into it. But they basically told you how this system of global governance, which is unstructured in the eyes of the public, was going to be imposed. And it's not with any choice. It's with a consensus which means that there's an illusion of choice, but you've got one choice, no choice. And that is exactly how they implemented the climate change agenda. That's exactly how they deal with terrorism. So you've got COVID, climate and terror. They all work in the same way. They are all merely drivers of change. How important will the introduction of CBDCs be central bank digital currencies. And a number of our listeners asked me to ask you, look, I'm not short of an opinion, no no more than, than you're short of an opinion. Both of us will state an opinion. And I've believed for many years that, um, not out of any knowledge now, just a hunch, that crypto and Bitcoin weren't good for people. I believe that, you know, they were introduced as a bit of a Trojan horse so that people believed that they had, you know, genuine control over a currency and that they could keep it private out of the eyes or the hands of the state and all of that. But I believe that eventually states would bring in their own and that maybe the the Bitcoins and the crypto and the blockchain was kind of like to to kind of lure people. Now, I could be wrong, but that's just um, how I feel. So my listeners, some of them don't like this, but thank God they still listen anyway. So they've said, Richie, ask Mark, what does Mark think about crypto and whether it's a red herring or not? What do you think? I think it's exactly what you've just said. I think there are people working in it with very good intentions, and I know some of them are doing that. But everything is being steered in one direction. So when we see things going on a scale of one to 10, we have a look at, well, let's look at the future and see what number 10 is. And yes, it's a central bank digital currency where you can only spend it on what they want you to spend it on and everything's going to be restricted. And yes, it's the end of all sovereignty. Are we so, finished, Mark? If, if, if it comes in, and I, I, this is a stupid question because I'm, I'm answering my own question, I think, somehow. If it happens and coins and notes disappear out of our lives forever, will that be checkmate for the agenda? It'd be a disaster, absolute disaster. And I've always said people have to decentralise and get away from the system as much as they can. There are going to be people who are going to be happy with this new system. They're going to live in smart cities. They are going to be surveilled from morning until night. And they will have everything looked after in their lives until it's time for them to be demised. But for people who've got a bit more free spirit and a bit more memory and actually have a bit of divinity about them, it's not going to work. Because these technocrats are assuming that they can hack into people. They're assuming they can control them. And in my view, it's not going to work. So that's my view on it, yeah. Do you think, just briefly before I read a few comments, there's some brilliant comments coming in. Do you think that violence is inevitable? What I mean by that is, if if you and I were young enough when it when 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 the shit kind of really hits the fan, if it hasn't already, would would guys like us, you know, I'm I'm a pacifist. 
I don't know what I should call you because I don't know. I know you're not a violent man. I know you don't believe in violence. But but might honest people who understand what's happening, might we find ourselves in a position in the future where we might have to defend ourselves violently? Well, it could come to that quite easily because we're not really far off it now. But the whole of the way this system works is they get the public to attack each other. So we would be attacked by proxy warriors who could be eco warriors. They could be people who are extreme far left like Antifa. These groups are there merely as warriors and these groups are existing only to destabilize and to exercise a kind of overt control over people by hypnosis and fear. So these groups are already violent, Richie. Antifa is a violent terrorist group. It's a terrorist organization. And I've experienced what they do. I know how these people operate, and they'll be Antifa one day, and they'll be green climate activists the next, because they're ideologues. They have been trained into this totalitarianism. And that's what it is. It's totalitarianism. So these people, I think, can be weaponized extremely easy. Okay, we see in these stupid old middle-aged people gluing themselves to road and making roads and making fools of themselves. But there's a much more sinister side to it than that. And these can be weaponized at any time, a bit like NATO with its sleeper cells of terrorists. These people can be activated at any time and weaponized. And that's what I think is going to be the problem. I don't think it's going to be the state that does it. I think it's going to be the state's proxy warriors. That's a brilliant, um, yeah, I think you might be right too. Imagine in the future if there was, I don't know, some airborne sickness or, or something or other. Imagine people turning up at your door to to threaten you into having a jab. And imagine it isn't the police, it isn't, um, you know, local health workers. It's actually your neighbours. Yes, yeah. but Richie, that's already happening. It's happening, yeah. They yeah. were trying to get people to snitch on each other yeah, during they COVID. They succeeded. They were actively encouraging it. This is communitarianism. Yeah. It means that there is a consensus that's imposed from above and they call it community. So the global goals of totalitarianism masquerade under the word community or global community. And the people who then say they are part of a community are not part of a community in the respect that it's about living in a place. They are a weaponized bunch of people who call themselves a community. It's a very different thing. Another thing you and I talked about over the years was how they cleverly know how to release a little bit of pressure, how to turn the valve a bit when it's getting too serious and give people... Uh, puppets, controlled opposition. So they'll give them Trump or they'll give them this guy, Viktor Orban, in, in, in Hungary. And that's very important for people to remember as well, isn't it? They're very good at doing that. They might even give us, um, you know, a saviour here in the UK at some time in the next... It won't be Keir Starmer, I don't think. But they're very good at doing that, saying, right, the people need a bit of a champion. Let's give them one. Yes, and mostly this stuff is very transparent. I mean... The thing is that it runs to a very simple template, this stuff. When I studied how they were doing this from 2010, using Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, I read Rules for Radicals, which you can download at windowsontheworld.net if you want to. It's on the free books page. Just have to get that in because we've got a library there. No, mate, do do get that in. That's a great service you provide Well, it's it's just very useful, Richard. Very useful. Some of these books are quite hard to find. But the point is that if you study the techniques... 
The techniques are simple. There is nothing complicated about anything that's going on. And if you look at the way the media is being used to weaponize the public, I think it's pretty scary what's yeah. happening because this is now beyond COVID. I think in a way the Ukraine thing is even worse than COVID because they are weaponizing people into supporting the Ukraine and going behind NATO and thinking that Russia are this kind of Cold War type enemy. Evil regime, So they're yeah. bringing it all back again. And that is very, very dangerous, I think, because what I've seen written about Russia, even from people who should know better, is actually quite frightening when you look how easily indoctrinated and unable to see what's going on they really are. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing for me. I, I've been either producing somebody else or broadcasting since 1998. And I've been, like for years, listening to several channels every morning, grabbing some audio, the usual stuff. You, we, we all do it. Uh, those of us who produce our own content. Yeah, what you've described there is bang on. What's happening now, and it has been happening for three weeks, is if you just take the BBC and Sky as two examples, it is one maudlin interview after another with someone in Ukraine describing the horrors of the Russian invasion. It's relentless. It's We've got Yulia on now, who's uh, just left Mariupol. Hi, Yulia. Hi, Rachel. Tell us uh, what's, what's happened to you and your family. She tells her story. You know, it might very well be real. I'm sure a lot of it is real. And then they go to another one and another one. And then it's a bit of a COVID story. Oh, COVID's coming back. The variant BA2. There are people in hospital now and it's starting to get a little bit worrying again. Then it's back to Ukraine to meet somebody else, a random person. It's relentless. It yes, is it's simple. like they are acclimatising them yeah. and pushing them into supporting something much bigger, yeah. which this actually isn't. It's not a scenario which could threaten a world war, but it's being turned into one by this globalist media. Imagine they got people to play Tinder with refugees. I laughed out loud. I was listening to LBC Radio not long after I finished the programme a week or so ago. I would never do that, so it was really lucky, really, in one sense. And there was a Conservative Party politician describing how people would go on social media to look for refugees and then um, communicate with those refugees and then send them some paperwork to fill in to possibly enable them to come to the UK. Tinder. I mean, Mark, this is... It's almost like someone is saying... I. It's almost like Trading Places, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, where the two old men said, let's see, can we, you know, can we ruin Winthorpe and can we make this um, street guy into a trader? It's almost like they're sitting around saying, I bet you will be able to get people to believe this and they're having these little side bets because when, when they said to people, go on the internet, find your refugee to order, I mean, that's laughing at people, isn't it? I mean, they're laughing in our faces. That's insane stuff. And yet people oh, are doing yes, it. yes, absolutely is. And also, it's going along with the agenda because they're now going to pay people £350 a month to have someone in their house. Yeah. This is basically communism or the new version, communitarianism. This is exactly what communist countries did to infiltrate people and to basically keep them aware that they are listened to. Every person yeah. in communist countries, if they had a high-ranking job, 
they would or we talk about doctors and lawyers, they would have to share their house with other people. So if they were plotting something or talking against the state, they'd have to do it very quietly. It's all about fear. Yeah. This is going to be used to divide and rule people even more. And it's also going to be used, as I said earlier, to create conflict. 40,000 they're going to admit to uh, to Ireland. Ireland is in serious economic jeopardy. Obviously, member of the European Union for many, many, many years, many decades. 40,000 is a large town or a small city. The health service is on its knees there anyway. Waiting lists. I think we have waiting lists in this country, Mark. Um, it's around about somewhere between 8 and 12 million people are waiting on necessary, you know, life-changing treatment. And they're talking about allowing 100,000 in here. And that's not to say that we don't have any, you know, feelings for people who are, you know, have been forced out of their country. But it's just madness and it all, it suits these agendas that you've been talking about for years. It suits them. It enables them to, you know, to tweak things a little bit, bring in a new rule here or a new, you know, dict- you know, you know diktat there. Let me read some um, comments because there's huge interest in this. Uh, Mark Windows is on the programme. It's great to have Mark back. Windows on the world, not dot net. Windows on the world dot net. You should That's be right. on there. You should be on there anyway. But um, it's great that on on the site there is a brilliant resource. There are a lot of free books to download there, which um, importantly back up. Not that he needs to be backed up by, by by those books, but they back up a lot of what Mark has been talking about publicly as well, doing a lot of public speaking over the years. So go to windowsontheworld.net. Chris says, shout out for the music featured in Mark's shows. Uh, it's part of the Smithfield Martyrs, uh, the Heretics if uh, the Heretics of London film, uh, period sounding music. It's bloody great says Chris. Well done. That was a magical thing, actually, because to get the soundtrack to a documentary that I was making, one of the actors actually produced and basically composed the whole soundtrack. And we got some great musicians on it and it just put an extra dimension of magic on. So, yeah, that film will be out soon. And it's taken so long, really, because of COVID and other things. But it's going to be great when it's finished, yeah. Well, when when it is finished, let's have a chat about it on air. Come oh, back yeah. on. I, I can't wait to see it, Mark. Cookie says, Mark's got a brilliant understanding of the masses. Remember Switzerland and the witch hunt? This is where we are going, says Cookie. Thanks so much for that. I appreciate that. Alice reckons the coming EMP, now, I think electromagnetic pulse, I think, that's what it stands for, will wipe out every computer and backups so we will own nothing and cannot prove we did. Now, this is speculative, but Mark, you've said to me before, I think I remember you saying before, this is one tool in the arsenal that might be deployed at some stage in the future. Yes, power cuts are going to become an everyday reality. And the reason I say that is because the two energy companies who supply the national grid told me that four years ago. Power cuts are the future. Renewables do not work. They were never meant to work and they can't work. Renewables can only work with a 70% reduction in population. So that means that they can pull power cuts anytime. And they've got a good excuse to do it because the national grid is always at peak capacity now, which is why they bring these extra companies in. And they've got rid of lots of little energy companies. So it's become more centralized. And there are going to be localized power cuts and these power cuts can be used, again, weaponized to take out areas where something might be happening. There can be cyber attacks to bring in the new Internet, which they want you to sign into with your digital ID 
all of these things are part of the playbook, definitely. The online harms bill is, is huge. And yeah. um, you and I on our respective shows, we've been talking about it for years. It's their stated intention to get rid of the independent media. Now, I'm not saying this to piss anybody off, so please don't be pissed off. It will obviously affect everybody, and everybody is equal. I do believe everybody is equal. But there are people who have done well and have reached people and have, you know, have produced a very good, produced, well-produced and well-edited um, programme. They're after a handful of people. Uh, to get rid of them for good through the online harms bill and the claim that you could say something that might cause somebody to, you know, not have a jab or not take climate change seriously and therefore that's harm, therefore you could be closed down. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Windows on the World is one such um, uh, produced programme, um, independently produced content that... They're, they're, they're going after, and they will. And uh, I know you're not in the UK at the moment. I don't know what your, um, you, you know, I don't know what your situation is in terms of how long you spent here or don't, and that's none of my business. And you might have good reason not to tell us. But um, that's what it's about. And I'll tell you what, Mark, I've been talking about this for years. If they really want to do it, they're going to be able to do it. They've already been able to do that for years, Richie, as you and I know. Yeah. They've pulled many people off there with absolutely no excuse. Well, look at RT. It's a mainstream news channel. Press so they're going to have no problem with people like us because we're already on the radar of these extremist groups like Hope Not Hate, these yeah. extremist yeah. globalist groups, the Institute of Strategic Dialogue, pumping out these papers, calling everyone far right, saying there's a growing risk of far right terror from people like us, when of course there isn't, but there doesn't have to be any evidence, does there? No, there doesn't, no. have to be any evidence. We're, we live in a post-fact, a post-truth world landscape. People can say whatever they want, uh, except us, of course. We can't. We, we'll be That's challenged right. on it. I, I foresee at some point, it might not be 2022, but they will seek to legislate the independent online media and they will license it or attempt to. And once they do that, it, it will then be a case of, right, you must apply for the license. And when, when you get it, well, you're basically screwed then because most of what you talk about on Windows on the World and most of what I talk about here will be subversive and it'll be claimed that it is harmful to somebody or other. And after a couple of strikes, it'll be a case of you, you'll be, um, you know, you'll have to cease broadcasting. And, and I think, and I don't want to be depressing anybody, I think, yeah, confiscation of equipment, that will definitely happen. Yeah, I'm ready for that day, Richie. I know pretty much where it's going. And the whole point is that they're going to allow the most outrageous kind of silly conspiracy yeah. theory people who talk yeah. about aliens and all the rest of it. Well, I'm yeah. not saying aliens don't exist, but I'm saying that yeah, I know what you mean, the, yeah. the complete lunatics out there and the con men and the BS merchants are going to stay. They're going to be fine. But people who are putting out real information, which accurately describes the system of governance and describes it quite fairly and evenly without getting into too much hyperbole, 
those are the people that they'll want to shut down. Yeah, they'll want them gone. And I think that will coincide with just when people start to really feel the heat. You know, the people who are genuinely bewildered at the moment, they're genuinely anxious, they still wear the masks because, you know, they're very nervous. At some point, those people will have an epiphany. And I think it's around about that time that they'll really go for uh, for the independent media. But I, I'm glad that you're prepared for it. I can't say that I am. Um, not, not that I haven't thought about it. 21 minutes past six. Uh, Wednesday's Richie Allen Show, March 23rd, 2022. Mark Windows is our, uh, our guest, a very experienced um, broadcaster, broadcast journalist. Mark's a musician and a writer as well. Terrific public speaker. You may have caught some of Mark's talks over the years on the Global Action Plan, which is pretty much in everyone's faces uh, round uh, about now. Travelling around Europe, um, do you see, are people the same, Mark, Where wherever you go in terms of you'll always have some people who are in the know, but generally people are kind of still in the dark or is it is there any is there any hope you know in Europe there where you are yes I think so I think the ex-communist countries have a very much awake view of what's going on because they're used to the propaganda I speak to people in the UK actually from Poland um, Czech and Hungary Romania and they are much more aware than the UK public because they're used to propaganda. And the problem that the UK has, I think, is that the public still think that the BBC and news channels in the UK are somehow reliable and telling them the truth. Whereas if you go to an ex-communist country, they know they're lying straight away. And that was very refreshing about being in Eastern Europe, in Central Eastern Europe, Bulgaria because the people here have lived under communism, so they know what propaganda sounds like, and they know what it is. For instance, when the Omicron strain was announced last December, I think there was a press conference in Bulgaria, in Sofia, so the journalists were all waiting for this announcement, and they were told to expect Omicron around the 15th of December. One journalist put his hand up and said, oh, what time? So... There's a kind of insight here that there isn't in the UK. I don't think anyone would ask that question in the UK. Brilliant. Fantastic. That's a hallelujah moment, that. Somebody asking a proper question. Craig says, good intentions have been used throughout history to justify all sorts of horrors, while simultaneously the perpetrators deny any horror. The Aztec priests had good intentions, the Crusaders had good intentions, as did the Inquisition, the Nazis, the fascists, and the communists had good intentions. Uh, Personally, I'm more interested in outcome than intentions, says Craig. Clifton says, Richie, ignorant citizens elect ignorant leaders. It's as simple as that, says Clifton. Thanks for that. Here's one from Paul Smith. Bit of a retort. Bit of a retort to the boy windows. He says, there is no way the city will get rid of the pound. No way at all. It's the lifeblood of Treasure Island, says Paul. Well, we never said that, did we? No, but finish reading his comic because it's interesting. He says they might get rid of the euro, though, for a CBDC, but they won't get rid of the pound, he says. What do you reckon? Well, I suppose it depends who's going to be using it, because if you look at what the City of London is actually about, they are the centre of globalism. So they are the centre of the central bank digital currency. Mark Carney went to work for the World Bank and he set up the Climate-Related Disclosures Fund. So the City of London are basically 
at the middle of the spider's web of all this. So I don't see why that would make any difference. Interesting. Thanks, Mark. David Keane says, One day, Richie, the media might tell the vaccinated to wear yellow T-shirts or jumpers for a week, and the useful idiots will. Uh, they might even attack those of us that choose not to wear the said colours, divide and conquer. That's going back to what Mark said. When Mark quite rightly pulled me up when I talked about being attacked, Mark said, you know, by police and stuff, Mark said, well, it might very well be and probably will be, you know, people, ordinary people, not necessarily uniformed people doing the attacking. He mentioned Antifa, among others. That was very interesting. Thanks for that, David. Massive, massive amount of comments coming in on this. Jenny says, I'm retired now and I was involved with the Green Movement for many years, since my early teens, and at no point were politicians or big business remotely interested in doing anything about the many genuine environmental problems. Now we are expected to believe that they suddenly care passionately. The only issue we hear about is climate change, not that I believe in it, says Jenny, uh, because they can make money out of that, whereas all other environmental issues, they make money out of the pollution. And that's, she's making a good point there. People often conflate two issues incorrectly. Um, environmental damage, which is a real thing, a real thing where, where corporations, you know, externalise what yeah, they, they do. Yeah, they confuse pollution with climate change. Yeah, that's so they, right. Yeah, they conflate these two things and then it becomes very nonsensical. But the whole point of this agenda, it has nothing to do with environmentalism. So that is really a kind of distraction issue. When we talk about climate change, well, we can go into the real science of that quite easily. But the whole point of sustainable development, which is what it all comes under, is that it is not an environmental program. It has nothing to do with the nothing. environment. It never did have. They used it as a cover because you need the real and the stated goals. The real goals cannot be dis disclosed to the public because the public won't go along with them. How do the public go along with something? You're going to save the world. If you don't save the world, you're a bad person. That's Simple. right. And you talked to me in the last programme or the programme before that about how it's in schools now at very, very early stages. So primary school children are now being told that time is running out, aren't they? Imagine that. I don't have a, a child, Mark. Imagine what it must do to a child. I mean, we talked about what it has done to the mental health of children by being told that they might be carrying a biological disease that might kill granny. Dreadful stuff. But this idea that you would be telling children that, you know, the world is going to end. I mean, what... These will be these warriors, won't they? You know, these yes, warriors running around. Yes, they're going to be the drivers of change, and they already are, because we've had two generations of them now that are indoctrinated into sustainable development. They don't know what it actually is. They've never been told. Again, the real and the stated goals. The cover story is given to them. The real story is not. And the real story is what drives the globalists. And get back to the digital currency. I'm now, the, the city of London will, of course, never ban the pound but what, or get rid of the pound. But what they are going to do is force everyone on universal credit to be using a digital currency so that they can control it. They've already said that. They're going to program that currency. It's not going to be for the people in the city of London. They are going to trade in the pound. And that's, your, that's a good point, yeah. The rules-based currency and the rules yes. determined by whoever, you know, distributes the currency and, and manages it. And uh, we're into social crediting. You and I have talked about that yeah. before. And, and again, I'm sure you will say this, and, and, and you'll be right if you do say it, 
social crediting is here already in one form or another. People are now very much aware that they shouldn't say that which they feel or think because it might have consequences for them. You know, they might be in trouble at work or um, they might be ostracised from social groups. That's already here, self-censorship based on fear that you'll be excluded because of your opinions. I mean, we could talk about the trans madness, which which plays into to a lot of this because it's everywhere at the moment. Yes, it's all weaponization. It's cognitive warfare. There was a document that came out of NATO about cognitive warfare and how it was going to be used. And everything that was in that document has been used against the public with this Ukraine conflict. Everything that's in there that they're saying. So basically, people are just being weaponized. And I think that that's why I've reiterated that a few times tonight, because it's really, really important. Because when they talk about hacking people, they're talking about hacking people who can be programmed. If you can't be programmed, you can't be hacked. It's quite simple. You know, when we talk about climate change, I can't get my head around the fact that our atmosphere, I'm doing this off the top of my head now, so I'm going to get something wrong. But it's around about 77, 78% nitrogen, 20% or 21% oxygen. There's something called argon then, which doesn't quite yes. make up 1%. And CO2 is 0.04% in the atmosphere today, uh, and of that 0.04%, humans only contribute a fraction. I can't remember the fraction. How have they convinced people? I don't, don't, don't you, I, I'm asking, I'm boring you now, because you've already explained it, I don't want to bore you. But Jesus wept, how they've managed to get away with this? Yeah, we covered it for years, Richie, because yeah. it was the central important issue that was driving change. There are other drivers of change now. The pandemic agenda was always going to be important. It says so in their documents. That's why this thing about the biolabs is important, because that's part of this government structure as well, because it's all privatised. And it means that an outbreak can happen wherever it needs to happen. Mark, and yes. sorry, Mark, the, go ahead. Finish all of that this point. stuff is, is been weaponised. But yeah, we... We went on with the climate change stuff for years, and I had some of the best scientists on my shows. We went to Fairborn in North Wales. Niels Axel Morner, who's now died a couple of years ago, was sorry. the world-leading expert in sea levels. Sorry to interrupt that. Hang on, hang on. And, and, and sorry to hear about your pal, genuinely. Um, I have to stop you at Fairborn. This is huge. Remind our listeners, because people forget this stuff, because life is crazy. We've had this COVID scam. People forget Fairborn. Tell them about the decommissioning of this town. Tell them. This is madness. Remind us. It's a town in, a, well, a village really, in North Wales of about 800 people. And it was said to be the first village in the UK to be decommissioned on the back of rising sea levels. So we got the world's leading expert in sea levels, Niels Axel Morner, ex-IPCC panellist and sea level expert for 53 years with <clears throat> hundreds of peer-reviewed papers. And he said on our show that he would go to Fairborn, go to court with them as an expert witness to tell them and to tell the council and whoever wanted to take them to court, tell the UN that sea levels were not going to rise that much. And he wrote a paper exposing the scientific fraud of the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And 
he knows exactly how it works. It's scientific fraud. So he said he would go there as an expert witness. We went there, booked the village hall. One of our listeners said, do you want to do a talk down here? I said, yes, let's do it at Fairbourne. The local Labour Party put a leaflet through every door in that village saying that I was a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I was there did, to yeah. make money. I used to work with David Icke, who thinks the Queen's a lizard, and my conspiracy theories were dangerous and there was no evidence for them. They didn't mention the world's leading expert in sea levels. They mentioned that Neil Axel Morner was a Swede because he was from Sweden. Oh and God. this is how they do it. They denigrate people. They attack them. They ruin their reputations. And... This is exactly how communitarianism works. So also the local paper, the Cambrian Times, I spent half an hour on the phone with the fella and I sent him all the documents from Niels Axel Morner, his resignation from the IPCC, the whole history and why Fairbourne was not in any danger from rising sea levels. And he stayed on the phone for half an hour. Then we get to what he actually printed in the paper and he said... This is absolutely outrageous. Well, let's first get to what he should have said, yeah. which was world leading sea level expert offers to represent Fairborn over decommissioning. What he actually wrote was protest planned a climate change deniers talk. Yeah. It's, and I, it was just yeah. ad hominem. So if you go up against this system, they just denigrate you. You've always been very patient. With, yeah, you've always been very patient with that. Uh, you know, I, I've not been. I, I, when it, it hasn't happened to me nearly as often as it's happened to you, but, but when they've done that, you know, I've gone after them. I've sent them solicitors' letters and stuff. When they try to, you know, accuse you of being anti-Semitic just because you may have interviewed somebody who happens to be anti-Semitic, and I won't put up with it. I get annoyed. I don't feel personally injured. But, you know, because I have, you know, I, I, I produce my show in an ethical way. And you do too. Like, if you came on here tonight, not that you would, um, but if you did and you, you, you said something about somebody, I'd be on the phone to them straight away later on to say, you know, Mark said something about you. Would you like write a reply or whatever? But you, you, those ad hominem attacks that you've put up with, you take them pretty well, I think. You just kind of move on. I, I think that's hugely important. And it's, 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 it's a valuable lesson for people. Mark Windows is our guest, windowsontheworld.net. Um, we're talking about some depressing things, but we're doing so in a good way, I think, in, 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 an edu in an educational way. You're doing the educating, I think. Something that I heard last December, and I thought of you, and um, of course Christmas then, of course it went out of my head, was when a scientist in Switzerland developed a 3D printable suicide pod remember that yes dr philip nitschke and again going back to when we met in london i remember you doing an excellent program one time in london and if i think hard enough i remember your guests and you talked about the liverpool care pathway and how it had never gone away it wouldn't go away it would come back euthanizing people um brilliant documentary about midazolam uh, made by our old pal jackie devoy uh, and and uh, and others and you think what sort of a world? They're, they're designing suicide pods. Now, I'll, I'll be a little bit sensational. You can slap me down if you want. Will things become so horrible if things go the way they want them to go that they might say to people, well, look, if you don't like it, there's a, there's a suicide pod there. 
Well, yes, because the whole thing's about depopulation. For some reason, they're absolutely obsessed with it. It's been the obsession for the last hundred years. And in a way, it doesn't make sense because even if they vastly reduce the population, then what? Populations globally are falling anyway, quite rapidly, especially in Europe. And there is not any replacement. What do you put it down to, Mark? What do you put the population... Is it exposure to electromagnetic smog? Is that one of the reasons? I think it's more to do with social conditioning and the way society has changed and the way society has been changed. There are other factors, of course, involved in that. And they're pushing every agenda to actually reduce the population. And the whole point is that renewables will only work with a massively reduced population. Remember, they want to go to net zero. That means they're going to have to get rid of a lot of people. Yeah. It's insane. And young men and women, we might call them the useful idiots to be unkind, but I know what you mean. That The, the evangelicals, the one who've swallowed the religion, they're taking to television and radio shows more frequently to say that they don't have any intention of having children because it's yes, unethical. Exactly, because it's unethical. Programmed into not having them. So basically it's all social engineering. So the social engineering tells you where they want to go. The social engineering, which has been imposed, is to stop people having children. We've gone five or six minutes left today. It's slowing by, by the way. It's coming up for 22 minutes to uh, the top of the air to seven o'clock. Mark Windows is our guest. Windows on the world.net. It's your tone of voice to me betrays, I think, a certain optimism. When you talk about these things, and I've seen some of your talks <laughs> given, not have like on YouTube yeah, and yeah, stuff like that, yeah, yeah. you're not like, we're fucked. It's on some level, you're, I know you're a spiritual guy. You think there's a chance for us, do you? Well, I think it's the way that we absorb what is around us and the way we react to it because the conditioning which they wish to impose will not work with everybody. And I've done a few shows on that recently that this cannot work because these people are assuming that we are biological robots. They are social Darwinists, they are Darwinists, and they are atheistic materialists, which is why I believe they will fail because they do not have what they call the indomitable human spirit. And they don't take account of that. They see everything in terms of energy manipulation and control, control and management of everything. That doesn't work. It does work with people who have been programmed into this system, but it doesn't work with others. And you're never going to be able to force that. The only way that they can force that, of course, is with force. So this is where it gets interesting as to where you actually stand and what you actually stand for. So what I would say is that the people that I tend to engage with are people who understand this. I find it incredibly frustrating when I see and hear what's coming out of the media and what the public generally are talking about. So I'm optimistic in the respect that this is a lifelong research program that I'm on, which I share with the public. 
So I'd probably be doing it anyway. What I do actually dislike is when you get this element of this so-called alternative media, which is not really alternative, who start attacking everybody else and calling them shills and they'll attack you, they'll attack me, when we're the people who've been doing it for ages. And that really does get my goat when that happens because the, the information that I've been putting out is spot on. And, and I don't like being misrepresented either. Yeah, yeah. You know, when people misrepresent you, you get misrepresented and they basically say things about you which are not true and have nothing to do with you. So I try and stay away from all that because I don't see myself as part of that sort of conspiracy circus. If yeah, you know. yeah. You know. And, and listen, you, and same with you as well. I think. Well, well, yeah, but but look, I'm not in your league. You you're you're a researcher. You're a guy who um, has the capacity, the ability to to analyse um, reams and reams of texts and books. You're excellent at it, and then you're excellent at um, breaking it down in a way that people can understand it. All I've ever done is speak to people like you. I don't have that level of insight. You know, I, I do, obviously, when listening to someone like yourself, I do then um, have a look a, a little bit further. Yeah, but Richie, there's, there's no radio host doing what you're doing in the UK. No, sadly, no. I mean, I'm a researcher, like you say. I put things out in a slightly different and way. And a broadcaster, yeah. Yes, but as a radio host, I don't think there's anyone else doing anything like you're doing in the UK now. No, not daily anyway. No. no. And, uh, and, and we've said this before, and when I say this, I mean it. It's a shame that. I hoped that over the years, people would do shows around shows like this. Like, you know, you'd finish at seven, and then somebody else who had a bit of experience would do seven to nine, or someone would do it before. And we, we didn't need to be on the same platform, but I could say, you know, right, um, it's, it's, it's Jilly Murphy. Jilly is on now in Dublin. Or um, go, go to her website. She's going to be doing a show or whatever. But yeah, it is... Sadly, it is kind of the only one. But um, I think things get watered down as well. You know, I mean, it's good to actually keep it quite tight, which is why I put my stuff out in shows which can be listened to over and over again, because even I listen to them over and over again yeah. sometimes, or I'll listen to them again, because I can't keep up with the amount of stuff I put out myself. <laughs> but also, it goes into a bigger picture. So every show on the website is interconnected to another show. And then I put them into articles and then I put them into a show section on the homepage and everything's at the live shows page, winnersonaworld.net. And that's sort of the whole archive of radio show. So people can go there and spend quite a lot of time, you see. That's the way I did it. So in other words, it's got a structure to it, even though it's kind of a loose structure. There is a lot of information there which all ties together into a bigger picture. It's excellent. You've been doing it a long, long time. Mark and it's hugely valuable love the way the website is laid out the shows um, come back anytime you want you know that don't um, wait to be asked Mark it's, I think last time we chatted was the end of July last year but come back anytime you want um, you, you don't need um, the praise or you don't need that level of stuff you're not interested in it but just to see the response if you go to the live comment part of my website. Just huge interest in this tonight. So, as always, sincere thanks for your time, pal. Love having you on. Thanks, Richie. That's great. And, and it's really encouraging that people have enjoyed it because I do need encouragement because it is a tough job, as you know. It is, and I urge people, and I mean it. Um, the sort of work that Mark does, it's a full-time job. There's no advertising in it. You're not getting phoned up by chocolate uh, <laughs> bar companies or, or detergent companies offering to sponsor you. There's no money in it. So 
to keep the genuine the genuinely independent media going, you've got to support it. So support Mark Windows. Go to windowsontheworld.net. Don't say donate. He's not a charity. He works hard. Support it and what he does through windowsontheworld.net. Until next time, look after yourself and thanks for a brilliant show today. Cheers, Mark. Thanks, Richie. Enjoyed that. It was great. Thanks, Thanks, buddy. And bye for now. Mark Windows, broadcaster, researcher, writer, analyst and musician uh, speaking to us from somewhere in Europe. Great guy. Windowsontheworld.net. Check him out now. For some reason, Frankie Valley. I meant to get something else, but Frankie Valley is in the playout system. Why not, eh? Frankie Valley and Big Girls Don't Cry. You're listening to Wednesday's Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live from the wonderful city of Salford, where it is absolutely gorgeous today. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Thank you for the kind words you are sending. Uh, from my old pal Mark through the website. I'm sure he'll be glad to look at some of those. Not that he's a big-headed dude, he isn't. But uh, thank you. Thanks to Richard Kelly. And Busy says, be careful when trying to gently squeeze the pump at the petrol station to take it to £30. I've just missed it, and it went to £43.62 for feck's sake. (laughs) <laughs> you can't accidentally squeeze it when you're on £29.95 pence to £43. You can't. You must have been looking at a brunette with long legs getting out of a Volkswagen Golf at a nearby pump busy. Tell the truth, man. It happens. You're a red-blooded male. Max says they are the baby doomer generation, Richie. Kevin says he's looked up Fairborn on Google and it appears to be thriving. So what happened? Kevin is one of these Egypts you come across every now and then. Kevin, you could have looked a little bit further. Kevin. Kevin, hello. They expect to have the decommissioning completed in the 2040s. Don't quote me. 2045, 2046. It's an ongoing process. They are decommissioning Fairborn because of rising sea levels. You have to get up pretty early to catch out Mark Windows, Kevin. Give over. Tom says, Richie, just a wee comment to Mark's commenting about post-communist countries understanding propaganda better. My experience from Slovakia, says Tom, is quite different. I used to say this exactly uh, a few years back, as that people with such experience should know better. So Tom used to say exactly what Mark said. However, generations of people who really experienced those totalitarian systems are mostly older folk. They're being marginalised, even called communists or such. Most boomers from the 80s and younger people are, you know, in their prime. They've been brainwashed uh, by uh, the media and by by, uh, consumerism, basically. So those people in the post-communist bloc countries, those younger people, are not as alive, maybe, to uh, what's happening, as maybe Mark thinks. Thank you, Tom. Bit of a retort there. Yes. William says, Futurama started with a suicide booth in its first episode. Did it really? I, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Futurama. That's very interesting. 
Very interesting. Yeah, I talked about that back in December, the invention of a suicide pod that could be printed by a 3D printer. Chris and Emma have been in touch. Hi, Richie. Aren't they going to be trialling universal basic income this year in Wales? Uh, People are are already suckling on the state teat via tax credits, etc. Thanks so much for that. Dan says, would love to hear Eric Dubai on the show. Is he the flat earth guy, is he? I have no idea. The name is familiar. Wiley says, it's no wonder this is happening when the majority of the population fall for what they are fed by the mainstream media. Thanks for that. David Keane came back to say, universal credit, mate, I've been on it, and if you don't attend a meeting or prove that you've been looking for work eight hours a day, they sanction you. They cut your money off. uh, Or they cut it down to an unlivable amount. Uh, Sea levels isn't possible on a globe, says David. (laughs) David loves the old flat earth theory. Good man. Nelly says, love Mark Windows. What a great guest. Brilliant guest. Down to earth. Genuine guy. Thanks to Mark. Uh, Thank you, Nelly, for that. Yeah, he's a top uh, lad, is Mark. Dan says he's on the money, is Mark. The things he speaks of about programmed people. It reminds me of Ross Dizdar's book, The Black Awakening. uh, The activation of programmed sleeper cells. Chris says, CO2, the gas of life, has been demonised as a poison. Higher levels of CO2 going forward would be beneficial. Says Chris. Thank you, Chris. Uh, And then you mentioned Piers Corbyn there. I'll leave that one alone. Well enough alone. Um, You don't think too highly of Piers, I don't think. Ewan says, and this is important, because the first time I heard of Dr. Richard Day was when I read a book by David Icke, by our David. Ewan says, a quote from Dr. Richard Day's infamous speech in 1969, and here is the quote. Ultimately, people would be assigned where they live, and it would be common to have non-family members living with you. This by way of you not knowing just how far you could trust anybody. This would all be under the control of a central housing authority. Have this in mind... When that's the end of the quote, have this in mind when they ask how many bedrooms in your house, how many bathrooms, etc. Ewan remembers the bedroom tax, remember that? Or Ukrainians for £350 a month in your home, says Ewan. You know, yeah. James says, Richie, are you able to tell how many people are currently listening to your show? I was just interested, says James. I am, James. If I wanted to, I can. But um, I'm not going to do that now because I'm working. Um, The average, the the daily average, between five and seven, it's around about 150 to 180,000 listeners daily, listening live. That's not including the podcast uh, download numbers either. That's why we say it's the most listened to independent radio show in the world, because it is. Um, the, the COVID scam was was definitely instrumental in the growth in the audience numbers. They were pretty good before COVID, but it went a bit crazy. Mark summed it up, really. This is the only one. So I, I don't get too excited about 
the numbers because it's the only show that does anything like this on a daily basis. Isn't it? If there is another one, please tell me, but there isn't. It's the only daily live radio show presented by a professional producer of radio and presenter that does this and that talks about these subjects. There isn't another radio station or programme in the country that does it. And that's not good. It would be better if there were more, particularly if there were if there were more, but done by people who've had some grounding in radio or television. That would be a boon. That would be a gift, but I don't see it, to be honest. It's hard bloody work. And it's taken me years to build up an audience where, you know, we get some support coming in to pay for it. So if you wanted to start off now, you'd be starting off, and realistically, if you didn't have any sort of name recognition, you'd find it very difficult to solicit support from listeners because you would find it difficult to build up an audience. So it's a catch-22, really. Vicky asks me a question about Brian Gerrish. I couldn't possibly comment on Brian Gerrish. I had plenty to say about him in the past. I won't say anything about him ever again. So I can't comment, really. Something to do with Ukraine and the the, the colours of the Ukrainian flag. Uh, I don't know, Vicky, I don't spend any time on Brian Gerrish or any of the people who associate with him. Yeah. So look, thanks for your messages today. Uh, I really appreciate them. Thanks uh, for listening. Thanks so much to Mark Windows. Go to windowsontheworld.net and listen to his programme if you haven't before. I'm sure you have. And make use of that terrific resource on... Uh, his website, those free book downloads, which detail and outline much of the global action plan, which Mark has uh, done very well in recent years, very, very well in explaining to people. He's a great guy, is uh, is Mark. Now, that's it for the programme. It's about time uh, for me to say adieu, au revoir. Sloan Tommel, as we say in God's country. Sloan Tommel, which means bye for now. We'll do it again tomorrow at five o'clock on richieallen.co.uk. Look after yourselves and one another. Bye.